0: you're listening to those movie dudes presents collector's corner in this week's episode of collector's corner we dive into the blu-ray edition of the 1958 alfred hitchcock classic vertigo
1: i have a question for you guys though um i don't know if nate has a question as well but this kind of just came to mind uh i didn't even get to write a script i'm full of (laughs) questions so i'm just going completely off the cuff since you guys don't have the 4k equipment yet when you finally do get a 4k tv and 4k player well you actually don't need that you have the xbox but when you finally get the 4k tv what do you think is like the first title you will purchase to watch on your 4k
2: to test out the picture quality the sound honestly for me james cameron's uh... submarine edition Got to be Interstellar for me. Okay. Just because my current Blu-ray of Interstellar doesn't work anyway, it always pauses at one particular spot, and I always forget until I'm watching it. So when I yeah. do have a four K to uh four uh, K TV to watch it on, hundred percent, I would definitely buy Interstellar. As an Any owner Disney of book.
1: Interstellar on four K, I can definitely back you up, and that's a great purchase. It, it looks amazing. You can amazing. just
2: gift me yours if you want. So I don't have to buy it. No. No. No.
1: Yeah, no. What are you thinking?
0: Um, I was thinking one that's coming out soon: the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. April twenty seventh.
1: Yeah, because the fucking
0: audio, no matter what they do to it, is atrocious on every version available basically or at least not necessarily all the audio but a lot of the spanish dialogue yeah and the dubbing is just pretty trash but i can look past it just because that movie cinematically is like up there is it, is it time <laughs> i think it's time to get physical you guys want it to be time Ooh, yep, Ooh spencer's yeah spencer's giving me the uh, he's giving oh, me the boy, signal yeah. it's uh it's time to get physical ladies and gentlemen and welcome to those movie dudes present collector's corner and this is episode 11 where we do a deep dive into our physical media collections. I literally, I. I rented my own plane. I got my pilot's license. I went up fifteen thousand feet, and I just dropped back, and I landed in a pool of Blu-rays. No parachute. Actually, it wasn't me that did it. Spencer did it because oh. this was Spencer's week. Spencer took the deep dive, and uh, cool. Spencer, which one uh, gave you some cuts and bruises on the way down?
1: I was hesitant ah. to do it because you know I'm afraid of heights. I have vertigo, if so you know what I mean. Ooh,
2: um, <sighs> too soon. Ooh. Too soon. <laughs> ooh. Come on, man. Yeah. Hint, hint, strong hint. <laughs> we haven't even <laughs> talked about the damn movie yet. Calm down. Yeah. So. And that
0: was Vertigo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what is this? What do you want? I don't know who you are. I remind you of her. I need you to be me for a while.
1: I decided to pick a movie that I had bought on Blu-ray. I think I remember the price, eleven ninety-seven, and I had never seen it. I was like, but deal. I got to see it. It's Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. It's on Blu-ray. Um, I've heard that it's a phenomenal film. It's considered like one of his masterpieces. It says it right on the poster. So I was like, okay, I got to pick this one up. I started watching it one day in college, and I got maybe like 20 minutes in. I fell asleep. I was like, shit, I'm going to have to come back and revisit this movie another time. And that time is like four years later, and it's tonight. And we just watched Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo on Blu-ray. So this is my first time watching it from start to finish. John, I believe you had never seen this before, correct?
2: This is the first time watch for Mainstream Boy.
1: And Nate, I believe this is a second time rewatch, right? you would seen this before. Second time rewatch. Yep, okay. I have,
0: I have uh, dabbled in this movie once before.
1: So I, don't, I was just really curious to check it out. I was really curious to see what the hype was about. So this is the movie that we're going to talk about today. John, because you and I are kind of similar going into this blind, what was your first impressions of Vertigo?
2: Yeah, Spencer. Uh, for me, I think the only other Hitchcock film I've seen is Psycho. Um, unless we've watched something else on the podcast that I'm forgetting. Oh
1: yeah, what do we watch? We watch. There's n- got to be um, something,
2: right? Rear Window? No, no, no. it? Before we continue, I need to know, and so I can compare and contrast. <laughs>
1: we all watched. We watched The Lady Vanishes a long time ago, but that was oh, man, one of them. that I watched, and we also watched The Thirty Nine Steps. The Thirty Nine Steps. Enjoyed.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember either of those, but. Yeah, this one, I I know that it's a classic. I know for some people and a lot of film historians, they would say this is like the greatest film of all time, like totally just like knocked Citizen Kane off its pedestal or something. Um, so yeah, of course, I was excited. And seeing that it was in English and in color for a 1950s film, I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So I was very excited to get into this. And to be honest, I mean, I was pretty blown away. I mean, it's Hitchcock. He has a very unique and fascinating way of telling stories and all the detail that he shows in his films through the story through the characters through the production design the costumes everything it's like it's noticeable and you can see that he like truly cares about what he's doing with his films and yeah i'm i'm excited to uh break this one down because it was definitely uh you know one for the ages right
1: damn so some high praise from the first impressions from mainstream boy uh from a film from the 1950s that's exciting nate revisiting this how was it on the rewatch?
0: It it definitely held up. Um, I think any movie that you go into a second time that has some sort of twist slash reveal... That Hitchcock movies do. I do think it can kind of dim down how you feel about it because you can kind of see it coming. Thankfully, this was one of those movies where it had been so long since I'd seen it. I had an idea of what was going on, but I still was able to piece it together. And it's one of James Stewart's best performances I've ever seen him in. A little bit older, kind of like when he was in Rear Window and whatnot. Just the way that he's able to... Craft this story and throw all those little hints in there. All the little quick shots that are like two seconds long of an object that you need to remember later. Like, Hitchcock's really good at that. And like what John said, I don't remember what year it was, but I think... It was voted on that Vertigo was Uh, the greatest movie of all time by like the British Film Institute or something like that. Which to me, if we're doing that conversation, I prefer Vertigo way over Citizen Kane. But that's a topic for another day. Yeah, this one was very enjoyable to rewatch the second time around.
1: I have seen a couple of Alfred Hitchcock movies, but I haven't really dived into his filmography too much. Like I've seen kind of like the main ones, Psycho, Rear Window, North by Northwest and then some of the ones that we had watched for the podcast come as smaller ones. But Vertigo was like one of his most acclaimed and popular ones. And it's interesting because initially when this released it kinda of got mixed in negative reviews. Critics kinda of thought it was a little too long, mm. kind of, you know, like drawn out, slow. Um and I don't know. They thought that the, the twists and turns were just a little far fetched. And then over time it got this like status of this is this movie's amazing. I think people finally appreciated it for what it was um because that leads me into when i when this movie first ended i was a little let down i was like the story mm-hmm. was a little convoluted for the sake of being convoluted but well, i mean i'll get it's into purposeful. this later in the podcast when we go into the special features and then break it down it is fucking masterful and it was thought out to a t of like everything was so specific with this movie like down to the costumes and the set direction it was honestly really cool so as i've kind of marinated with it a little bit more my appreciation for it has already grown a lot and this movie like i already can't wait to rewatch it because the movie does have so many twists and turns and it kind of is jarring when you're just trying to follow the narrative when you first watch it but i mean it definitely it works i mean it's it's pretty entertaining and it's it's it looks amazing as well
0: it leads you one way and then takes you somewhere else like i was expecting something uh from this when the guy kind of talks to him he's like i want you to do this for me i thought it was going to lean more into that type of territory but it it kind of stuck with james stewart's character and his obsession Because like he he needed to figure this out
1: because like the main story that like it kind of centers around i mean it's a former police detective who juggles wrest- uh he juggles with his personal demons and becoming obsessed with a haunt- hauntingly beautiful woman and so that storyline kind of wraps up a little bit early like there's a whole third act that does something completely different i think that's what i was so like oh they're going this direction with this it's a double it's judy all of a sudden who looks exactly like madeline and same like the same character who just died and it was so interesting that they were going that direction
2: i think i have to mention this this being my first time watch uh that twist and i think this happens with a lot of films when i see them for the first time like i still, even after hearing, like, the Lonely Island song, I still was shocked when Bruce Willis, you know, was a ghost. Um, but yeah, with this movie, I thought this was gonna go, like, whole Eye Origins vibes with Reincarnation and stuff, because they had this whole concocted story yeah, made up about how this, line. like, ghost was within Madeline and stuff. I'm like, wow, that's that's really cool. That's really interesting. And he's gonna, he's following her around. He's trying to unpack this mystery. And then, yeah, Hitchcock, he brings you one way. He makes you really, really, like, care about uh john the, i think his name yeah john uh james stewart's character and then mm-hmm. completes completely just turns the other way and it makes you see all of his faults as he falls into this like weird obsession with creating madeline out of judy so i mean yeah the the film just it sets you up for something and then completely turns on its head and does something else and i always love films that do that so it was very, very fascinating to to watch.
0: This This time around, it was nice because it kind of solidified all the things that I could not remember. Like, I, I, I got an overall idea of what was happening and everything, but then seeing all the pieces play out. There was a little moment in there that not necessarily bothered me, but I think it's one of the flaws that Psycho had is that Psycho, at the end of the movie, relied on exposition to tell kind of what was going on, um, where they had the... Policemen say, oh, Norman Bates only exists, blah, 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 blah. But in this one, he does it in a smarter way where he has the character write that note. And then she immediately rips it.
1: Oh, yeah, explain it. Because like,
0: she's like, oh, oh that's what not happened. what I want to do kind of thing. Um, But for the whole time, I'm thinking that there's two people. The entire time, I'm like, oh, there's two women. There's two women. But there's only one. Like, it was always Judy the entire time. But she played Madeline. Exactly. Because right. Because well, in a way, off. there
2: was... But yeah, there. I mean, there was, but there, there, there was wasn't. two. But there was no Madeline, really. Yeah, not, not in terms his
0: of what James all of was his seeing. interactions exactly. were with
1: Judy as playing yeah. Madeline, yeah. and then with Judy. Yeah, he Madeline, never interacted yeah. with the actual mm-hmm. wife, who uh, really is just a dead body in the movie. To be honest, like she yeah, just of course. to be. A, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah because yeah.
0: they even say he like broke her neck to not yeah, exactly. take any chances or something like that so something they of don't go after. into is
2: why is he killing why is this guy killing his wife big shipping company lots of money just money. he was able to inherit it and yeah this i guess the story's no not about asked. that but that is something that like, the whole story is because of this man's decision to kill his wife, so you never really get the real reason. But that's not what it's about. It's, that's a little, I guess, something that I noticed. But I think you've got to look at the acting, because Judy, especially James Stewart, who has a huge transformation, but Judy, who's able to play, first of all, herself, and also this concocted version of Madeline that becomes basically a, a fantasy mm-hmm. for James Stewart's character. I mean, it's it's such a testament to her acting. and You don't really realize it until after the film is over, after seeing like what she had actually been doing the entire time.
0: So did you guys find Hitchcock's hidden cameo? In I this missed movie?
1: it on this one. I almost Googled it, um, but I just kind of forgot to do that. But no, I, I completely missed it. He uh
2: I don't think so. It's
0: at the it's towards the beginning where he's going to meet his friend. There's an outside shot of James Stewart walking to the docks and Alfred Hitchcock walks across the street and he's holding some briefcase looking thing. Oh, okay. But he's just this chubby bald guy in a black like suit. Just, yeah. Yeah. Nice. It, it, it's basically the same amount of cameo as he had in The Psycho. You know, he's, always mind. So, he's not so like so a weird
1: extra, yeah. He's, he's not like a Stan Lee or
0: back. something. Or he's just like a, uh, yeah, he's like a silhouette, just kind of in the background where you have to go, oh,
2: there he is, kind of like finding Waldo. Are you sure he wasn't exactly. the uh, the nun at the end? Because that would have been hilarious. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if Alfred Hitchcock was like, <laughs> yeah. I heard noises. Yeah, like he just pops yeah. out of the darkness and she's just like,
0: No. I love James Stewart. He's probably my favorite classic actor um, from back in the day. He's just
1: so over the top,
2: but he he makes me
1: laugh so hard because of how over
2: the top he is. His facial expressions and stuff are quite funny.
0: He's so over the top, but he puts so much passion behind his characters. It's kind of hard not to like him of course, (laughs) because he's just like his character from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's just like he's just got this charm to it and uh yeah so co- of course he
2: he gets kind of clustered sometimes but you know that's just it's james stewart he also really goes in for those kisses man like he is just like swallowing her <laughs> dude, face because like, like giraffes like embracing like that's yeah, it's what like it that's something like that. that it just I it's supposed to be like a nice tender loving moment but yeah. i'm just like dude like take it back a step like reel it in just a little it lo- was just pretty a tad. funny <laughs> and he's so like, also 49. He's like, quick, years quick, old. I need
0: oxygen.
1: He was 49 <laughs> years old when he filmed this movie and Kim Novak was 24 uh when she filmed this movie. So there was a huge age difference there, but Alfred Hitchcock uh, fell in love with Kim Novak and apparently worked really closely with her and just really wanted her to basically bring herself to the role um and yeah. it was like very minimal in directing other than just like speaking the rhythm i want you to speak in and wear the clothes i want you to wear that's really how he directed her but just
2: kind of a was... i was going to say that kind of mirrors the film a little bit which is something i did notice in kind of a, sure. a deconstruction of the film is i mean james stewart's character is literally trying to make her dress and wear her hair oh, like course, he wants yeah. so in it's a way that's definitely a, a parallel <laughs> but, you know i mean yeah that that's another uh, thing. I mean, in the fifties, but it is what it but is. But yeah,
1: James Stewart, like he's just so over the top and charming and like there's it's mainly with the facial reactions. Like anytime he has to like react to something or like yeah, when he's hanging off of the like, uh the ledge, he's like, All right, I can I can like play it off like normally or i could dial it up
2: to 16. <laughs> it's <laughs> also the filmmaking like, though because 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 yeah. he because uh hitchcock will just like go right in on his like bright blue eyes and he's just like oh it looks yeah. like a freaking raccoon or something you know so it's not <laughs> but, just I mean, james stewart but he's yeah, great I'm, I'm in everything you. i've
1: seen him in i mean it's a wonderful life who's the man that shot liberty valance just he's a great actor you need to watch uh anatomy of a murder, anatomy
0: of a murder and philadelphia story and Mr. Smith goes to Washington cuz he won an won Oscar for electors that. Corner
1: and I'll, uh, I'll happily watch him.
0: Okay, not Mr. He won an Oscar for Philadelphia story. I know that. I didn't really get the other female character. That was just kind of his friend, Midge? The... Midge? Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a motherly
2: figure. It, I think that's kind of what it's supposed to represent is like he, but she's,
1: she's like half his age I know, but she even said um, mother's here when he was going through that like a tonic phase when he was all depressed um yeah she was like mother's here and she like
2: like hugs him i was like wait what she is his <laughs> ex-wife also like that yeah, well that's... no and they, were, they were never married never okay married, well actually yeah. but they were in a relationship and i think that yeah her the relationship is kind of weird because the first like 10 50 minutes of the movie is just them one-on-one and i thought that conversation was a little bit odd It wasn't
1: that long it was it, was it like seemed like it went though. on too it was like long, five minutes yeah. or so and then but he tests out his vertigo on this t- step ladder
2: yeah, okay. So it's smart. It leads you into like why the movie's called Vertigo and For me it was the,
1: the painting scene. It was a little like what? Like she painted the exact replica of um Colette or whatever her name was with the the, the gown yeah. and the necklace yeah. and then he like freaks out and then she's like, Oh why'd I do that? And she like splats like the paint on it and like she,
0: she, I think it's cause she was trying to get him back. She saw that he was so obsessed with this woman and she probably trigger. thought, Oh, this woman's trouble yeah. let's See if I can bring him back to reality a little oh, bit. Oh, so she painted
1: and herself as...
0: Yeah, which is kind of strange. strange. In the same yeah. style of the painting at the art gallery, too. It was just like a woman in a dress, and then it shows her and the painting, and she's sitting the same exact way. It's like, With Scotty? With necklace and everything. It's like, what?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but
0: I, I think that... The, the necklace was a good shot. I think a lot of people on the first time watch wouldn't recognize... Except the fact that Hitchcock emphasizes it by zooming in on it. I <laughs> so definitely like, like, hey, recognize this. It. I definitely like, yeah, the first this time is an important yeah. item.
1: So this was the yeah. first film to feature what's called the vertigo effect, but also called the Zolly as in the the camera mm-hmm. technique to show off the vertigo senses. And like it zooms in as it tracks backwards and it's kind of like, yeah. crazy effect that makes it look like you're kind of falling through the screen almost Um, And obviously other movies have replicated that as well. Um, It's a really sweet effect and they did it twice in the film. And each time they do it, it's, it's awesome. Like it's, Cause it's just like, it's the birth of something that we've now seen in other films. So it's, it's something to really appreciate. And, uh, I think they pulled it off very well.
2: They used it in the right places, obviously too. Cause that's yeah. the film being vertigo, knowing what vertigo actually is. Then that's, it's literally like the perfect representation of using that effect. So
0: was that the same type of shot, uh, used on chief birdie and
2: jaws? Remember, yeah. like the yeah, zoom yeah, in, yeah, is that exactly. what it was? And, that's uh, the one everyone yeah. talks about. But I guess there's yeah, another the
1: brilliant one that Martin Scorsese did in uh, Casino. I'm oh, not Casino, sorry. Uh, Goodfellas, when Ray Liotta isn't it in like a diner? Yeah, they're in a diner, and it starts and it's, with, and it's zooming yeah. in. But that's when everything's like going wrong with like their lives at the moment. And so it's like represents mm-hmm. kind of just like their world shrinking in. It's just a genius thing. And speaking of Martin Scorsese, he's featured a lot in the special features because this Vertigo film is one of his favorites. So it's no wonder that he kind of mimicked the, the Zoli effect in Goodfellas. And also he used the same uh, title sequence guy, Scott, um, no, what's his name? I have it written down. Uh, Saul Bass. He did the title sequence mm-hmm. to Vertigo, which we haven't mentioned yet. It's awesome. It's got an amazing piece of music. It's got, like, the zoomed in on the eyes, and it's got this, like, crazy effect going on with the opening credits. But he did the the, um, first couple of Martin Scorsese films, like Casino and Goodfellas, that kind of stuff, and Cape Fear. He did all Mm -hmm. the title sequences to that. So Martin Scorsese loves Vertigo, so he hired the title sequence.
2: That is one of those things that, like, the older movies will do with the title sequence. Like, I mean, like, James Bond is something that's always done title sequences like that. Um, but just to, like, get you into the vibe of, like, the narrative of what the movie's trying to go for, which is, like, a very vibrant color palette and the colors that are used to tell a story. And that was, I mean, the, the production design, the costumes, and the use of color to sort of allude to certain characters and stuff, especially Judy, who was obviously always surrounded by green when she was supposed to be judy i I mean that was just that that's another reason why people have probably just gone back to this movie over and over again and been like yeah this is a masterpiece just because every little thing is thought of it's
1: yeah, <laughs> very deliberate from hitchcock because he wanted like the reds and the greens to really pop in the film because it kind of symbolizes a fantasy element to it and like the dreaminess yeah. Uh, at times, like, mm-hmm. there's even a scene with, like, a ton of fog, like, inside of an apartment, like, when she first comes out, think like, in the green dress, mm-hmm. and she's, like, the opacity's low or something, or, like, there's just, like, she's, like, I don't know.
2: It, it like looked weird, behind, but, like, like fog. it, yeah, for it the was 50s. very strange. Yeah.
0: Oh, is, that's the one where he gets,
2: uh he finally sees her with her hair pinned up. Right. Yeah. And she, ha- he has that like, yep, exactly. But there you are. It, but it's cool. Cause they're like alluding to it the whole time from like the establishing shot when they go into the hotel and it's just this like bright green neon light. And even I think mm-hmm. even the building is green too. Um, well, he, does yeah.
1: it with the, he does it with the cinematography, with the red and the greens. And then also with the costumes. So also the first time but he that... sees
2: her in, in, uh, was it Eugene's the restaurant they go back to every single time. Um, Ernie's Ernie's. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Ernie's. Um, the first time he sees her when he's sitting at the bar, she has like a, a green scarf on, and like then a, I think it's like a gray dress or something. So it's like subtle hints that slowly lead into like her being amassed in green. We can't forget about that awesome Bernard
0: Herman score that seems to follow Hitchcock wherever he goes and even Scorsese because he did Taxi Driver. So, exactly. and yeah. Bernard Bernard Herman did the famous. Um, screeching music in the shower scene in Psycho and all that stuff. So this is just Hitchcock at his, at the peak of his talents like he just threw everything at us sure some of the special effects kind of like when people are falling um kind warps, of reminded though. me of rear window when he he falls out of the window and it just looks like it takes him an hour to fall down <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of cheesy yeah. but i you can accept it just because it's hitchcock and it it's going to be it's more about the thrills and the excitement of the story than like the cinematic thing that he's trying to show. Like he he wants us to get attached to these characters, and he gets he kind of goes mad, just like oh come on please just uh put change your hair, it won't matter anything to you. Whoa
2: dude! It's another it's very fifties like... uh, character trope with the women who just want to like be accepted by a man. That mm-hmm. it's it's basically yeah, been completely flipped on its head with these like female movies to... these days. Wanting um, to change her entire mm-hmm.
1: appearance and hair and everything just yeah, so she could like, be dude, loved. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's a movie from the 50s, you got to overlook some, you know, he was doing the best he could with some aspects, but there's some scenes... Uh, when they were driving where it reminded me of that joke in Airplane when they're driving down the road and the green screen background is just something completely different than like their environment like they're just being chased mm-hmm. by Indians and cowboys and they're just driving down the road <laughs> having a conversation <laughs> they're, like they're like in the background like they're basically like driving through a car accident but they're just perfectly like just driving <laughs> like, it's a re- just, like That's insane the right green there. screen in this movie where like James Stewart is just like turning and the, like the, the background is just like fucking going crazy <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck where are they going <laughs> Is he on a mountain just going in circles? He's driving Probably straight. Or he'll go
0: down. He'll go down the San Francisco streets, and he'll be at the top of the street watching her turn. And the next shot is him mid-turn, yeah. like following right behind her. It's yeah. like Jesus, dude! He how was is following Basky? a
2: little bit too close. Oh and yeah, obviously way too thing. close. When
1: he was tailing, I'm like, you're the worst tailor ever. The most obvious yeah. person. <laughs> like he's to like Ben a detective. Supposed to be to detective. Shoulder, like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> looking at this painting. Well, Yeah, he, exactly. Oh, my
0: God. Time and time again, dude. And even in the cemetery, he's, like, beh- hiding behind a bush.
2: Like, Like, he's probably hiding doing? behind,
1: like, the, <laughs> this, the grave that she's looking at. Like, oh,
2: what are you looking at? <laughs> it works, though. He's pretending again, to be a statue. It, it, it works. Like, it's crazy yeah. how much it works, regardless of how, like... Because, like, I wasn't being like, oh, this is so stupid. I can't believe he's, like, he's right behind that door while I was watching it. But, like, looking back at it now, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit on the nose, dude. He needs to back off a little bit.
1: I feel like you have seen the most amount of Hitchcock films between us. Um, Where Mm -hmm. do you think Vertigo would rank in Hitchcock's filmography with you?
0: I would say, confidently, that Vertigo is the best Hitchcock film. Psycho is fantastic, it's legendary. It will always stand the test of time. As far as enjoyment and like seeing these characters develop, I have to go with Vertigo and especially what it did with the Vista vision and uh, that one cutaway of his dream where his head is like zooming in and whatnot that and was all the colors are flashing.
1: Sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I'm going to, I'm going to
0: have to dabble in a little something, something <laughs> and watch it again and, and see what happens. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this, this, Took a turn. He's floating and head
1: in the middle of like some spiral. I'm like, what is this He's green as well? It was nuts. Yeah. Total crazy dreams. But
0: tickets. they do a great job, though, at the very beginning of the movie, establishing what screwed this character up. Because a lot of time, I feel like they would introduce this character. We would see something's wrong with him, but we don't know why. And then we find out later. I like where in this one, it's like, nope, this is what happened. Here you go. And then you kind of see how he has to cope with it. But it eventually just kind of is less about him finding the wife than him validating his own sanity. Yeah. (laughs) When it got to the point where he kept saying... Oh, you need to change this, you need to change this. My mind is going, this character that we like a lot, I feel like we're gonna start to dislike exactly, because yeah. he's starting to become kind of chauvinist and very manly. But that frickin' nun, she she must be really good at jumping people because Kim <laughs> Novak jumped right out of that building a second time.
2: Sure did. Like, holy moly. I actually that... <laughs> rewinded that scene four times. Just the very end, because I was like, wait, what? Like that's what that's what happened. Like, she just stumbled mm-hmm. out of the window because of a nun. And then That's the movie a... just ends. As yeah, well. then it ends. I'm like, okay. Uh, are, Maybe I... she just couldn't deal with it. Being so many different people, she lost herself halfway there and was like... And the way that the nun is presented (laughs) in the darkness and stuff like it obviously represents like death or something and how James Stewart has changed the character and come to terms with stuff like there's a lot to unpack there. But yeah, the ending was like it took me by surprise, obviously, like most of the film did.
0: But as far as Hitchcock movies go, I think this is the one that is going to be hard to beat. Just the way that they're able to tell this story and subtle hints that on a regular, I would say regular moviegoer. um. We're all regular moviegoers, but they wouldn't pick up on it, I wouldn't say. Yeah. But knowing that it's Hitchcock and knowing that you can't just let one thing be itself. Like, there's got to be some sort of meaning. It opens up a whole new world of, oh, well, that person was introduced. What's their ploy in all this? So that's the thing Hitchcock's really good at, just suspense.
1: Oh, yeah, master of suspense. Oh, wait, was that his... Even the
0: 39 Steps. And... yeah all
2: that
1: stuff. So okay, so John, have you seen a couple of Hitchcock, obviously not as many as Nate and I don't think you've seen as much as I have. I think I've seen I think seven? I've seen at
2: least 4 now because okay. and now that you mentioned 39 steps and what was the other one we watched? Uh Lady Vanishes. Lady no, Vanishes. Lady Vanishes. See, I don't remember like I'd really need a refresher on like what those stories are about because I don't remember anything about those. Mm. Have you seen Rear Window? Oh. I don't think so. I've seen Psycho. I okay. have seen Psycho. Have you seen Rebecca? No, the, only
1: from the one best picture from his filmography. I really like Rebecca. Um,
0: foreign Correspondence also really good. That's a really good one. Uh Was it uh, like something a, on a train
1: or something? Strangers on a Train. I have seen that one. That I do very I much. I think enjoy. I've seen
2: at least parts of that. I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. Probably watched it in film yeah. school or something. So, what would be your favorite if you had to pick on your four? I mean, Personally, I, I think the only movie I can compare it to is Psycho because I remember the most of that one. It's the most iconic. Um, obviously I love how it how uh Bates Motel leads right into that because I like finished Bates Motel and then watched Psycho, so that was like pretty cool. But I think this one's better. Like I really do think that this was just a very, very well crafted film. Um I'll go ahead and do my final thoughts here. But the characters are very interesting, very well layered. He just has a really fascinating way of creating a story at the surface that seems like something else. And then completely turning it on turning it on its head and just pretty much taking the taking the audience by complete shock because I literally when the twist does happen and they show the scene in the clock tower, I, I literally was I sat over my seat and was like, Are you fucking kidding me? And I think that I can figure movies out, but come to find out a nineteen fifty eight film by Hitchcock, it's it still took me by surprise. So job well done by him. Um yeah, the movie it's it's really good and I can totally understand why it's something that, like, film historians are always breaking down and being like, yeah, this is an absolute masterpiece. Um, because I I don't know if it's a masterpiece after one viewing, but it's certainly one of the better films ever made, so...
1: Going that high with it.
2: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... I'm going to give it a four and a half right now. I think it's four and a half out of five. It's a very, very, very good movie, um, but it's one that warrants multiple rewatches to totally decipher it, in my opinion.
0: This, this one, it's my favorite Hitchcock, but I... I also don't think it's quite a five out of five yet. Like it could be maybe later on like just accepting it for what it is and just watching it all the way through. Cause I've got OCD. If I miss something, I'm rewinding it. So a two yeah. hour and eight minute movie is two and a half hours. And that just kind of fucking sucks. But um, <laughs> I'm going to also, I'm going to match John's four and a half out of five, but it's a very strong, a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Like it won't go any lower than that just because of how well executed it is. And I just, I love James Stewart and just his over the top, shenanigans just get me every time and he just played it perfectly and it's classic Hitchcock
1: initially when this movie ended I wasn't too big on it I was kind of like with same with John like when that ending happened I was like what really I guess I was just I didn't expect the story to go the way it was going but like I mentioned beginning the more that I kind of dug into it and read about it watched some of the special features and also kind of just marinated with the story a little bit it's it is a really very cool movie. Uh, I'm not gonna get it as high as you guys, but I am gonna go four out of five. I'm still the oddball, and I had the most fun watching North by Northwest and for all of filmography. Mm-hmm. But it's been so long since I've seen like Psycho and Rear Window. Um, I could definitely, I definitely need to rewatch those to kind of you know pick the definitive Hitchcock for me. But And I got to watch more of his films as well. I mean, there's so many that he's directed that I have not seen. I mean, he's made like 60 movies. I mean, some of them are shorts, granted, but I mean, he's made a lot of movies. This is definitely... He also made
0: silent movies, too. Yeah, he started making movies like like He made British movies before he came. Yeah, there's one called uh, The Lodger's Story of the London Fog. Came out in 1927, and it's a silent movie, and it's actually really good. It's a good precursor for his style that he would develop. Sure. A lot of shadows, a lot of kind of slow mystery type stuff. But, Sp- Spencer, did you say what... Oh, you said North by Northwest, which I, I need to rewatch that one as well, because I remember the story, but it did have a somewhat of a similar twist, if I remember it. it Same thing with like a, yeah, the, the female side. had like character. a double agent, had something to do with it. And of course, it had the famous uh, crop plane scene where it flies over Cary Grant. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I
2: definitely need to rewatch that one as well. Isn't that one that spoofed the family guy when he's running with yeah. the Mel Gibson's movie? mm-hmm well cool well awesome well that was
0: vertigo that was episode 11 i thought that was an excellent uh choice spencer it's really nice to go in and do a deep dive into one that i don't think we talk we don't talk about that hitchcock enough he doesn't get enough credit even though he's one of the greatest directors
2: ever well speaking <laughs> of future episodes i kind of wanted to i, I it's my turn next week <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say If you want to lead into that, Nate, because well, I was going to. Okay, well, there you go. Never mind.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, episode twelve. What are we doing, John? So I just I wanted to do something fun, and I hope it actually ends up being fun because it's a movie that I remember liking as a kid, um, and Uh I wanted to use this this podcast as an opportunity to see if some nostalgia does hold up because I don't know if it's going to. It might crash and burn but i think it's worth the risk so and i already looked up the score it's not entirely high but i don't think that that's going to matter uh and i don't know when the last time you guys saw this is but it is arnold schwarzenegger's last action hero from
1: 1993 that's getting a 4k release never in like seen two, two weeks
2: <laughs> well maybe <laughs> that's crazy that you said there that. you go i have always wanted to revisit this movie and what better opportunity than collector's corner that's it for episode 11,
0: but. We don't just do this show. Spencer, take it away. What shows do we also do?
1: We have another podcast show coming out this weekend, The those Movie dudes' main show. We're going to talk about three films that we have never seen before. It's The River Wild, Say Anything, and Tombstone. Um, so that's going to come out this Saturday, March 27th. You guys can go watch those movies streaming on, I think, HBO Max. So yeah, go check them out and we'll be talking about those films this Saturday.
2: And we also do have one more show that is a weekly show where Spencer and I, sometimes Nate, get together. We grab a big bucket of popcorn or school Jerry Coke, maybe some snow cats or kombucha, And we uh, talk about the new release films of the week. Uh, last week, we did talk about the Justice League Snyder Cut, which was a pretty good time. Uh, but we're doing a little something different this week, talking about our top uh movies of twenty twenty in one stinker. So looking forward to that. We can finally break down our favorite movies of uh 2020, put that behind us and move on with our fucking lives. Well, it's going thank ready. you
0: all for listening. We uh we appreciate you listening to us. Give us a follow, give us a like, go wherever you guys uh, listen to us. Uh, and remember to stay physical. Let's get physical.